Here we've got a fan who writes, what's the deal with the jumbotron, the clapping hands? Get rid of it. Thank you very much. Get rid of it. I mean, it's not even synced up right. The, the timing's off. And one. I hate that sign. Let's make some noise. Yeah. Why do you have to prompt the hockey yeah. fans? If you don't know when to make noise at a hockey game, you shouldn't be there. Period. Welcome to Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I'm Tim Kittrow. Harry Tynowitz along for the ride. We're glad you joined us today. Everybody in. So, hello. What's up? Welcome, everybody, uh, to the 47, 47th, yes, 47th episode of uh, Sports Goose here. Uh, Andrew, we've got myriad of, of people today. Can you introduce yourself and everyone else? Well, hey, everyone. My name is Andrew, as usual. Uh, we have our usual contingent of Francisco, who you've heard from, and also Charles. And we have a special guest today, Mr. Alec, who is also known as Mr. The Spork over on Reddit CFB. He's also a moderator there. And, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I don't know, would you say you're a, an expert? Uh, it depends what you mean, because um, as I've mentioned kind of before, but if you're going to ask me who's, who's going to be the first round pick in the, the draft, I, I'm not your guy, but if you're looking for, for trends and information about the last season, then I probably know more than I should, so. <laughs> All right, cool. So, uh, uh, AJ, what's your, your, I guess, your team allegiances, I guess, as far as sports and, and or, I guess, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever you cheer for? Primary by a huge margin is the, the Cincinnati Bearcats. It's where I went to school. It's where I'll, I'll cheer for forever. Um, probably half a dozen other schools that I follow to some level. Um, in the pros, it's Milwaukee Bucks, Milwaukee Brewers. Okay. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers to a degree, and Cleveland Browns. Oh, and God. <laughs> I, I, I think that's the case, but that is the case. So. Isn't it? Well, I'm a I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, so I I, I you know I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen, let's say last nineteen years haven't been the millennium hasn't been good to us. <laughs> let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. To, to be fair, you, you didn't have to come back from a team getting killed. So. <laughs> There's that. It was only three years. That's <laughs> only yeah. three. Yeah, three years is enough. It could be the the like Minnesota. They lost the North Stars for like seven or whatever. I'm not sure. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay, all right. So Brewers fan. So you you're I'm a Marlins fan. So you're welcome. And also, um, I'm, 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 I was incredibly glad when Yelich uh, did injure himself. I, I declared that we won the trade once that happened. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. And uh, a Milwaukee Bucks fan, so you're having a lot of fun this season, and I guess the last yes. couple seasons now. I have a trivia question for you. How in the hell do you pronounce Giannis's last name? It's not that hard. Really? Ah. Yeah, it's, 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 
Antetokounmpo. 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 Like five syllables. Antetokounmpo. Yeah. You know. That's not too bad. And it's fun to say. It's kind of like Benedict Cumberpatch. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Bernardio Dunderstunch. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's not a... Uh, uh, okay, so Milwaukee Bucks, Milwaukee Brewers, uh, Cincinnati, and uh, Bearcats, and uh, okay, Cleveland Cavaliers-ish. All right then, and no NHL teams, not a hockey fan? Not a big one. I mean, oh. I, I lived in Ohio for too long, and the, the Blue Jackets are... Yeah, kind of fairly new when you were... Not great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true, the Blue yeah, Jackets... I mean, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I was I was up in Northeast Ohio, so you know, two hour drive to get to a game, and the Blackhawks were good and came back when they were really like that's gone. Final game, final, the end of the season. Uh, someone popped in, popped out again, uh, and uh, NFL uh, playoffs, divisional round, some some fun. I'm sure Charles is gonna have a lot of fun on that segment as well. Uh, the Houston Astros dropped the hammer, and the Houston Texans paid for their sins as well the past weekend. And, uh, yeah, and uh, there's some hammer dropping going on between the Canucks and the, uh, not the Canucks, the, the Flames and the Oilers. The NHL dropped the hammer on on uh, Cassian uh, for, for two games. We, we might talk about that as well. And Okay, all right. So I guess we'll we'll pop in pop into the, I guess, the, the, the matter at hand, the, the the latest news, really. It's uh, college football playoff final. LSU finally they 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 finish it. They, they finished it off. Oh, oh crap! We're fighting. Oh yeah, and on the screen at the same time, we're playing NHL Hits Pro, uh, released in like two thousand and three or four for the Nintendo GameCube, the Xbox, and the PS two. Uh, and right now, me and Andrew are in the middle of a fight, and I am getting the crap beat out of me just like Matthew Kachuk okay uh, alright so thoughts from the game I saw up to like the third quarter and I was like okay LSU has it from here on out like I just I, I'm like okay that's it um, it's it it started off you know Clemson had some momentum but then like you know uh, then Joe Burrow kind of got it together he had a kind of like a scary like hit to the arm but gosh darn it man sucked it up and kept going yeah, it actually turned out, um, I, I didn't know this at the time, and actually, uh, anyway, apparently it turns out that he actually broke his rib on that hit. Wow. Did you... Escorting him back to the locker room, and basically he was, he was pushing people away from having any contact with them, just from basically a pain management. But yeah, hopped on an exercise bike for a while managed to hobble back out through the third quarter so like yeah all that and he still passed for five touchdowns across what was it 400 ridiculous it's ridiculous uh you know it brings to mind uh you know, like matt stafford a couple of years ago when he like separated his shoulder or whatever and he came back for the the game-winning drive or um Byron Leftwich, who yeah. continued in the game despite 
probably like shattering his leg or something. I think Patrice Bergeron in the 2013 final against the Blackhawks played with like a punctured lung and some broken ribs. Well, NHL players did all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't even know how he was living, but yeah. Or like, um, some guys play with broken legs. Actually, last year, Zdeno Chara had his jaw wired shut. Yeah. Yeah. That was wild. But, uh, dude, I mean, the dude balled out. It looks like the Bengals are going to... And it's kind of funny. He's going from Tigers to Bengals. And that's gonna, he's going to go to Cincinnati. Yeah. So, we'll see how, we'll see how well, they can screw that up. Bengals. Oh, God. Let's see how they, let's see how they screw that up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my fear. That's the same thing with uh, God pick any number one draft pick. It's been the last five years. Well, okay, let's see. Last five years. Okay, let's see. We got Jameis, and he's uh, oh, he kind of screws himself over <laughs> in more ways than yeah. one. Uh, on and off the his, his turnover factor is is definitely uh, alive and kicking. Uh, the 30 for 30 was fantastic, by the way. <laughs> he's not, I'm a, I'm a Florida State alum, so he's not our problem anymore. He was also our solution at the same time, which kind of sucks, but, uh, you know. Right. Uh, at the same time, he's not our problem anymore. <laughs> uh, from an off-field perspective, especially. Uh, yeah. So, let's see. So it's funny Winston, that you bring up Winston, because... He was the last, if I remember correctly, he's the last Heisman quarterback to win the national championship. The triple crown, the Heisman national championship, and likely number one draft pick will be Joe Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think that would be the last guy because it, it's been Alabama and Clemson right. since. So. Um, okay, so... Clemson had some momentum during the game, but I mean, what was the moment of like where it was like LSU just was not going to let up after that? There was sometime like because um, was that yeah, seven, it was it was seventeen to fourteen at one point, and then LSU just took over from there. Yes, and part of that was Burrow settled in, and, and you could tell early on he was missing easy passes, dump offs that, that should have been nailed and I don't know if it was nerves or if it was just the off in that, that period um, Clemson's, Clemson's defense got a, a good jump early and they, they were able to push through a lot and, and that I don't know if that unsettled him I don't think he's really capable of being too unsettled um, but it did seem to affect him but once he settled in, and really, like the, the one thing that pins it down is, uh, I can't remember his name, the, the linebacker who was ejected for, for targeting. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, what did you think of that? Kind of yeah. It was kind of, I mean, well, he still led with the crown of the helmet. That was a, that was a big thing, right? It, was, it didn't matter the point of impact. That's a big thing. But once again, it so by the letter of the, the law. Yeah, it once again raises the whole argument of does targeting need to be tweaked so you can judge intent? It's it's, it's tough because you know once you add that sort of subject subjectivity into it, not that it isn't subjective already, uh, then you start having a lot more problems. 
that was a basically a textbook targeting that it, it, it you could theoretically even if it weren't targeting you'd run into um oh i've forgotten the penalty name the excessive uh unnecessary roughness Excessive roughness? That's not right. Yeah, it's... I, well, I'm sure that a lot of the people complaining are Clemson fans, so... They... They had the opportunity to uh, be on the other mm -hmm. side of that, so... That's true. I mean, there was, there was a point they were silencing that crowd, so it wasn't like... <laughs> yeah. Apparently we have some breaking news thanks to Charles. Um, oh, yeah! It looks like Alex Cora, their manager, was just fired. The Boston Red Sox fired Alex Cora. Yep. Oh, oh, they want to get ahead of the yeah, but it's still Major League Baseball can still drop the hammer on them. Mm -hmm. So okay, we'll we'll get to that in a second. Uh, we'll actually get to that next after this. Um, all right, so. So okay, so the season happened. LSU won. Congratulations to them. Baton Rouge uh, just shut the whole campus and city down for a while. They actually did. They shut classes for the next. Few I, days. I would assume so. I mean, who, who's going to go to class? <laughs> <laughs> Although strangely enough, they initially were going to have classes on Monday, but then they reversed course at the last minute um, for some reason. Uh, Why they would even bother? deciding to hold classes in the first place. I get it. Well, it's yeah. a it's an educational institution, but like come on. <laughs> it's the national championship. I, I mean the whole exactly. state you might as well shut down the whole state because <laughs> No, I, I am like okay, so I've I've told this before. Ellis like the state of Louisiana, because I visited a couple times already. And Charles has been there too. Um just straight up LSU everywhere. Just LSU from top to bottom. Where I was at, there's LSU stuff. I walked into like a like a like a general store or whatever. LSU stuff. I barely saw New Orleans Saints. You definitely didn't see New Orleans Pelicans, and definitely didn't see anything like Law Tech or anything else from or Tulane or whatever other schools are out there. Um, so it is definitely the whole state is. LSU crazy and they they'll, they they'll just shut down the whole school shut down the whole state because that that I mean that that is their team it's just it's it's just as much as Bama is for Alabama well except for Auburn and uh, yeah Georgia and in Georgia <laughs> yeah you get some arguments for the Bama fans and the, the Auburn fans the Barbers um, all right so. So, so college football season's over, but what what stood out to you guys uh, personally from the season? What was like the best moment for you guys? Worst moments? Uh, most surprising thing? That jazz. Obviously, the worst. Utah and Oregon. Go ahead. Utah and Oregon both dropping the the ball so couple weeks and eliminating the Pac-12 was. Of course that would happen. Of course they'd lose to was what Oregon lost to Arizona State and Utah lost to I want to say Arizona um, in the last 
three weeks of the season. <laughs> you had the inside track and you, you dropped it, both of you? Yeah, our, uh, That's we true. had a couple of Ute, uh, Ute fans in the mod team. They were not happy. But our Oregon fan was very happy when they beat Utah. If 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 yeah, Utah wins yeah. the Pac-12 championship game, they're fourth place and get demolished by LSU. So they would have had the right to <laughs> get bludgeoned by Joe Burrow and crew. Yeah, Oklahoma did not look uh, qualified to even be there. And that's another thing. Everyone thinks that Oklahoma should be banned from being in the college football playoff. Hmm. Yeah, they they have not had good showings any time that they've been in the college football playoff. Would you agree with that? They're what? Oh and five. <laughs> and bear in mind, the CFP is six years old. Yeah. So. It's like, why do you keep picking them? You know, it's like, uh, it's uh, it's kind of not fair, in a sense. Just yeah, Clemson or fraud. Shake my head. That's what Charles says too. <laughs> ah, they won last year. That's yeah, whatever. They they've had their their, their moment in the sun. Yeah. Oh, they lied to you. Uh, yeah, Charles is a Miami Hurricanes fan. BT Dubs. So ACC, whatever you want to call. It. I don't give a shit. I really don't care. <laughs> Okay, as a Florida State fan, I don't care if Clemson keeps winning, whatever. We're still in a, like, I, we are in a giant hole, and we don't come out of that hole. <laughs> the possibility of him being, instead of the purple drink, he might like the yellow drink or orange drink if he's a fan of Fanta. For those who don't know, for disclaimer, Jamarcus Russell had a very short career coming out of LSU. He was uh, the top overall pick from Oakland, and he only played for about two, two and a half years. And then there was the controversy to which I think he threw 18 touchdowns and 38 interceptions, to which his career was very limited by the fact that no one wanted to sign him because of weak work ethic. And furthermore, he liked the purple drink. And I'm not going to encourage anybody listening to go research that. Francisco can do it on his own. You, uh, you, you, you bad man, you. <laughs> so is it the possibility that he becomes the white Jamarcus Russell? Probably not because the work ethic is there, but... Is a vast difference when you're that dominant in college, throwing a total of 60 touchdowns in the span of what 14, 15 games against NFL corners and safeties and linebackers and pass rushers who just might be better than you. I mean, uh, I was listening to Pat McAfee uh, a little bit earlier today, and he made an interesting point. He said that something that he saw from Burrow that makes him think that he would be good at the NFL level was he was able to diagnose the uh, that Clemson was very different than your average college team and that they would fake they would create fake looks on defense uh, basically um, trying to explain it like a like smoke and mirrors type of thing or basically right um, you know for example you can have like a 4-3 defense, which is you have four down linemen, you have three linebackers, then you have uh, four guys in the secondary. You've got something called cover two, which is two safeties up top. But occasionally you'll have something called cover three, which is where one of the cornerbacks or someone drops into coverage in the back. But um, they disguise their looks, so the quarterback doesn't get a good idea of what's actually going to happen. 
and that's what trips up a lot of uh, college quarterbacks when a team is able to do that, and that's why Clemson is so successful, at least according to Pat McAfee. Um, but he said that Burrow was able to eventually diagnose what he uh, what Clemson was doing on defense, and he said that's something that happens a lot in the NFL. So if he was able to be successful against a system like that, then he would have a good shot in the NFL. What do you think? Well, I, I mean. I think he has an eye towards the NFL anyway. Like, he obviously should, but um, I think he's done his due diligence to try and prepare himself for this moment, for at least for the moment of being in the NFL. I mean, there was that – they showed the video of him talking to Drew Brees, and basically, you know, he's, he's a, he was inspired by him, you know, grew up a New Orleans Saints fan and because of him and all that, all that type of stuff. So it's um, – I, I, I mean, just going by – the way he's played this entire season it would seem like he's he has taken his his leadership and his i guess intelligence for the game to another level to a point where it'd be a no-brainer for the cincinnati Bengals to be like yeah that's him that's our you know Andy dalton you go away and uh, that you guys coming in and and we hopefully won't ruin him and or waste him like we did carson palmer um but who knows? Uh, of course, they don't have Marvin Lewis coaching anymore, so that actually helps. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> it helps a lot, actually. <laughs> no, no perpetual mediocrity is accepted. Yeah, although Dalton's Dalton's fallen below his uh, his own line. It's the the Dalton line is maybe one of my favorite things. <laughs> It's funny, Andy Dalton's career. When I mean, he, he's loved in Buffalo. That's that's one. <laughs> he's beloved in Buffalo. It's the only city that loves him. He was. I mean, he was booed at the All Star when Cincinnati Reds hosted the All Star game. He was booed at the Celebrity Softball Tournament. <laughs> they booed him. <laughs> oh God, yeah, he, he he definitely needs out of Cincinnati for sure. <laughs> oh God, I mean, he he had some some nice years well of course the Bengals are the Bengals and they find a way to screw things up or as urinating tree calls them the bungles yeah yeah and there's been rumblings I'm living in Chicago so I've heard rumblings from various I don't know what you want to call them um, your sources yeah, <laughs> sources say that the uh, the, the Bears might be interested in Dalton, and I think everyone that's heard that is kind of like, <laughs> why? Why would you do that? You already have a mediocre quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. Why are we? We're just gonna have a lateral move. What's this thing gonna add? Okay, okay we're gonna bring Dalton in as a mentor. Like that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're hoping for the Tannehill effect. Hey, he's you know, and yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe. It wasn't that Dalton was was bad. It's just that you know the Bengals sucked, and now he's in Chicago and things are great. You know, uh, of course uh, Charles is really happy about uh, the Titans. Uh, you know, Charles is a very weird being. He is a Miami Heat fan. He well, is... That's not weird. But <laughs> well, well, wait, well, wait. I'm giving the full rundown here. So he's a Miami Heat fan. He is 
Uh, who is your hockey team? Is it the Panthers? It should be the Panthers. Hockey team? I don't really have a hockey team. Okay. But <laughs> his baseball team is the Yankees. And his football team is the Titans. He is all over the place. And he's a Canes fan for college. Personally attacked, I must say. How <laughs> um, is that an attack, though? I'm I telling guess... the truth. It's not slander if it's true. <laughs> I mean, we're lawyers. We can attest to that. To this. Yeah, exactly. The simple explanation is essentially this: I like what I like, you know. And when it comes to Tennessee, the short little exhibit is I didn't get into football until a little bit later in my life. When I was like, you know, 11, 12, I liked Steve McNair and Eddie George when they were around. And how hard they play. Jeff Fisher, I learned to like, like a step parent that's not going away because they already gave you a step brother or a step sister. You know, <laughs> um, I don't know how that man stayed in the league for almost. Uh, the Marvin years. Lewis effect, that's for sure. Yeah, and I gotta, I gotta tell you guys, this is anxiety right here, being so far advanced because we decimated, demolished, destroyed, devastated the quadruple D, the top <laughs> two teams in the AFC. And, you know, I, I'll keep it PG with the next comment I'll say, but, you know, quadruple D is better than double D because, you know, what we, I thought we were going to be able to hit the playoffs, dumb and dead. But we ended up being very competent, controlled, composed. The three Cs. Why? Because we realized if you ain't going to stop the big boy, Mr. Hefty Bag, that is Derrick Henry, a special D, the DH, the designated hitter, because he had a big boy and he's swinging out of the park, then we're just going to keep going at it. So, as you know, you're welcome, universe, for beating the Patriots. <laughs> and you know what? Bill Polian and your hating ass of Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson, you're welcome by the fact that we are the ones who kind of took it out. But guys, this is a different team, because even though Ryan Tannehill's only going to throw 50 yards a game like a little peewee now mind you i'm scared about the chiefs we're not talking about him we're going to control it to somebody else mm. this is a team that really cares because you know what we got the right leadership we got that right leadership in mike Vrabel. because when your head coach says that he is willing to cut off his penis and we're all men here we care about it <laughs> he says he's willing to cut off his own penis to for a super bowl ring and after beating the best team who only lost twice this year, to which nobody gave us a chance to win, you get Taylor Luan and his three foot five burly self going, shouting to his own coach, saying, you better get that piece ready, alluding that we're going to win a single ball. Another DD. It's that culture, and it's a different kind of culture. And I think that's a culture, because it's not bad news bearish, you guys, but it really feels like it's if you ever thought about buying into an underdog mentality and our favorite underdogs typically come in football as is see the philadelphia eagles with nick Foles. this feels like the team you want to root behind we are boring and conservative but we are exciting at the same time because we do something called game, we do something called game planning which is rare but we game plan because we put lamar jackson look let lamar jackson have his 500 yards i don't think he you know his lack the player, better player, was the reason why the Titans won and the Baltimore Ravens lost. You know, they just they crowned themselves. And if you want to, hey, we team we plan for Brady. But I have a new motto for this team. And if we go all the way, we go all the way. You know what we are, you guys? You know what we are? 
We're we're, uh, we're we're king crowners. Want to know how we're king crowners? Because to start with Delaney Walker, who's not even playing in the postseason because he's on IR. We beat Cleveland, and you know what he said? He said, "Go ahead and crown them. You want to crown? Crown them. You still got to play the game. Still hmm. got to play ball." Mm-hmm. And then y'all want to crown the Patriots? Crown them. You still got to play ball. And you crowned the Ravens. And guess what? That's you still true. Play ball. They crowned themselves. Everybody. They crown themselves, and everybody's got like that little postseason motto thing, you know, like the uh, Chiefs is unfinished business, all that stuff. But one God, team, one heart. God, that should be our You know, still gotta play ball. And with that mentality, and also like I would chop my ding dong for a Super Bowl. I think you have the most inspirational team known to mankind. Because if, and here's the thing, Mike Vrabel's a bro. Straight, he might, he must be renamed Mike Vrabel. Vrabel. It's hard to say the uh, you know the tongue twisting comes in. You know apparently his ding dong is in my mouth and shot. Like, <laughs> um, you know, into where like he's a bro man. I feel like he's chugging forties and you know doing what he can and crushing beers with his head. But he's inspired this pseudo young team with a winning culture. First year going 97, second year going 97, and you're in the AFC Championship. And thank God it's the Kansas City Chiefs because I gotta tell you, it's my team. It would be the most boring, most boring AFC Championship. It was the Tennessee Titans versus the Houston Texans. But that's not happening because Bill O'Brien is not, you know, Ooh. he's, he's Ooh. just like, Oh boy. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, I, I think Freddie Kitchens could have coached that game a lot better than he did. <laughs> oh God. Lewis yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's just a Bob. And you know what thing about Bobs is, you guys? They're uninspiring. <laughs> no offense to everybody who's named Bob, but you're just Bob. Oh, that SB Nation made a whole thing about Bobs. <laughs> oh, oh, he's a Bob. He's a Bob, all right. You know, but this might be Andy Reid's time. Can we stop a team that scored 41 hazard points? Hell effing nah. But the whole point <laughs> is don't let them score 41 points. We're just going to figure it out you know to the best of our ability but i gotta tell you something guys i'm kind of scared because to be in this position that we haven't been in such a long time i don't want to be the team that beat the two best teams you know or the two presumed teams and not you know succeed and win the big one but then i don't want to win the afc championship and not win the super bowl and then here's the thing guys this is the big crutch because this is the bet at the office so i gotta tell you on the bet this whole entire season i have crapped on aaron Rodgers. I have said that he's a you know a very good quarterback still, but he's not great. He's not fantastic. Stephen A. can love him. I don't see it anymore. Yes, he played like a stud in the playoffs, but you're due one, right? And is it because of the fact that Seattle really has? I thought Seattle was gonna go get you know grandma, you know, and just go get grandma and be like, hey grandma, can you run the ball because we got nobody at running back. But we'll talk about that later. Grandma and our poor little Walker. But you know, I'm kind of scared that this prediction that I made because I told the guys at the office that hey, hey, you know what? If the Tennessee Titans get to the Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers even makes it, I don't think they're making it, I hope not, and we lose, and we lose against Aaron Rodgers, I'm here. <laughs> oh, my God. I said it. Oh. I'm a man of my word. There will be three Aaron Rodgers losses. So that's what I'm more scared of. I'm scared of not even just getting a Super Bowl. I'm scared of getting a Super Bowl. And all that smack talk that I did, all for naught. Uh, one yard short again listen 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 guys i just i i rather sacrifice my grable's ding dong for the sake of not making sure that aaron Rodgers has a uh a super bowl ring again that's my piece (laughs) oh boy i mean the titans they are so inspired okay so once again miami dolphins fan 
uh, I am fully on board the Titans train because uh, it, it, it further exacerbates the fact that I hate the Miami Dolphins so, so much. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, my fanship for the Dolphins has... I used to be a positive fan, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I was like 12, I didn't know any better. And then, you know, as the years went on, like, okay, 2008 happened, it's like, all right, cool, go Dolphins. And then, you know, slowly but surely I become an adult and, you know, life starts hitting you and things start, you know, things aren't, you know, rose-colored glasses, that type of stuff, not rainbows and ponies. And Dolphins keep sucking. 2016 happens, like, okay, might some positivity, you know, they didn't suck for once. And then Adam Gase was Adam Gase. And and then you know, we let go of Ryan Tannehill. We 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 construct this amazing tank that that failed at the same time. And you know, but at this but but at the same time, you know, I'm happy for Coach Flores. I think we actually finally found a coach. But you know, Ryan Tannehill goes to Tennessee, back up to to Mariota, and then he takes over the job. And lo and behold, the Titans find a way to tailor their actual offense around him and his skill set. Uh, not completely around him, but like you know, just towards his skill set. Okay, he's not he's a, he's a fantastic game manager, uh, and he he can. He'll make the the good throws. He's an average quarterback, but he knows what he's he knows what he is at this point, and they know what he is, and they've found a way to use him at the right moments. So I'm so happy for him. I'm uh, a lot of Dolphins fans are very petty and 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 about the same, you know, and they're like, ah, oh, he he sucked with us and all that. Why is he good now? It's like, okay, it didn't work out here. Okay, the Dolphins failed to construct a good team. For him, uh, failed to construct an offensive line for him, and he got killed like the first five years of his career. And now he's finally getting his—he's finally getting his his due. And I'm very happy for him. I hope, I really do hope they win the Super Bowl uh, because oh, the the talk, the talk so far throughout this playoff has been about Ryan Tannehill down here and how much the Dolphins uh, screwed it up. And whether happy for him or not happy for him at the same time. Uh, but I'm happy for him. And go Titans, go. Uh, because, I, I mean, I don't want to see. Uh, there's nobody in the NFC. That, I mean, between Green Bay and San Francisco, I have no feelings for him. I was like, okay. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> and uh, between, yeah, Tennessee and, and Kansas City, I, I'd love to see the, the, the Chiefs go full read one more time. <laughs> I, I, I would like to see Andy Reid get his Super Bowl, just get one, just get that one. Uh, just like uh, kind of like a Jim Leland type of thing, you know, just so many years of, 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 of failure and then he finally gets his one. But at the same time, I want to see Urinating Trees video when he, they finally, <laughs> when they collapse and he has the congratulations video that pops out. <laughs> but anyways, uh, that's my, my take on the Titans uh, game and... Uh, yeah, and, but uh, at least they weren't the Texans. Dear God, dear freaking God, twenty-four to nothing. I mean, the the Tennessee Titans used to be the Houston Oilers, <laughs> and somehow they they were able to transfer that Houston Oilers the Oilers essence to the Texans to screw up a gigantic lead in the playoffs once more. How does that ha- how does that even happen? Well, because Bill O'Brien is a punk. That's it. 
Yeah, I gotta say, I was thinking about it the other day, um, because Bill O'Brien's last year at Penn State was the year that UCF beat them on the way to the Fiesta Bowl, and a very surprise, a lot of people weren't expecting that upset, not to mention that it was in Happy Valley. Um, so I was thinking, like, huh, I wonder, you know, who came out on top in this, in this deal was it Penn State when they got James Franklin from Vanderbilt or was it Houston when they came out with Bill O'Brien I think it's safe to say that Penn State came out on top in that transaction would you agree Alec everyone there's no I think needed there they absolutely came out on top (laughs) Texans have just kind of (laughs) wallowed in Okay. They have talent. So they do have talent. They yeah, have a good quarterback. He's a he's a beast. Yeah, and and it's turned into just kind of nothing for for years. So I don't know what they they do to fix that, except for get rid of O'Brien, which maybe that's it. But I mean, they kind of they kind of. It, I don't know if they won their division by default. Tennessee was right behind them, but I mean, they kind of did in a sense. Uh, nobody expected Tennessee to do what they did. The Colts lost mm-hmm. Andrew Luck to retirement, and the Jaguars are the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. So Although, it's like they—they they, it's like okay, they, they, Deshaun Watson and the talent on that team won in spite of Bill O'Brien. Right. Yeah, it's one of those situations where. But if you if they had even a half decent coach, they would just be. If they had Marvin Lewis, <laughs> if they had Marvin Lewis, maybe maybe they win at least one playoff game. Yeah, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I wouldn't wish it's on borderline fireable almost. Who I wouldn't wish on anyone is Hugh Jackson. Uh, oh, no. that is uh, that is the equivalent of a death penalty for an NFL team. Uh, far away from Cleveland, that's for sure. Um, I even I don't even know. I don't even know what he what he's doing. Factory of sadness, my friend. Oh, of course. All right. Uh, okay. So, uh, San Francisco are they destined to finish this off, or does Green Bay even have a chance? You always have a fighting chance. Yeah, of course. Because what happened what happened in the preseason or in the regular season means nothing. It's just San Fran gave him a shellacking. Um, but, you know, Jim, I'll keep it brief on this one because, like you guys, I don't have much of a dog in a fight, except I don't want to help lead to Aaron Rodgers getting a title. But keep it to this. If Jimmy G just plays calm, cool, and collected and not tries to play as his mentor loosely worded mentor Tom Brady in the playoffs, they'll be fine. That entire uh, Chiefs, that entire 49ers defense is back and healthy. The Packers just don't let Aaron Rodgers get cocky and try to do fantasy football stats and let him just kind of be conservative and run the ball and pass when you got to, and they'll be fine. But both teams have this scary defense, frightening defense when you think about it. But San Fran, we all agree, is the more complete team, especially with Debo Samuel becoming the manual because he's the man. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I mean, it was, I mean, there were some doubts early on about San Francisco. But I feel like they've finally hit. They've they've hit their stride in a way where. I. I mean, I think Green Bay will give them a good game because so far, every pretty much every game in the playoffs has been. Um, great has had some competition, has had some excitement, uh, but I still think they'll ultimately come out on top. Mm-hmm. Overall, just because of once again they they seem like the more complete team. Don't don't have as many holes. Uh, to answer your question, Charles, uh, I don't know. His question was: Is mm. it better for the Packer? Or better for football if the Packers or the Forty ers go to the Super Bowl? I don't think it really matters in the NFL. I mean, either way, they're both historical franchises. San Francisco would. If they won it all, I think they would tie the Patriots for most Super Bowl wins because uh, the Patriots, I think, just got the record last last year. Something like that. And then, I mean, you could have them. I mean, you could have two, like, historic teams. You could have Kansas City versus Green Bay, which is a Super Bowl rematch from long ago. I mean, either, I think Tennessee would be the, the only one that would be a – um, non, I mean non non traditional, but a new ish type of team getting into it. Power. Exactly, unexpected not power. Too, yeah. yeah, I mean, because I mean they were the Oilers, but you know, that's so long ago yeah. now that no, nobody considers them the Oilers anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> and the once again the the Steve McNair Eddie George era is long long gone. So yeah, I would say. Uh, I don't think it would matter. I think the NFL would like it. One, the, the storyline would be uh, Tannehill coming to Miami to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> to possibly win a Super Bowl. That's a, that's a fantastic storyline down here. Um, the Titans, the underdog, the huge underdog versus... I, I would If they were facing San Francisco, which would be a team that everybody would expect would win. And historically has been here many times before so it would be like a david and goliath type of thing what's the nfl could promote anything at this point they're they're so huge that it doesn't it doesn't matter which two teams get in it's not as prevalent like in the nba where the nba kind of hopes you get a a powerhouse franchise like a boston or a los angeles or at least a, a sexy team like Houston or whatever to get in, uh, and and <laughs> yeah, nobody wants. It's like, oh, we don't want to see the Wolves versus the Atlanta Hawks, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, they want sexy teams like uh, like you know, if the and if the New York Knicks ever got good again, dear God, the promotion would be crazy. Oh, but yeah. um, well, Spike Lee for one, that yeah. would be impressive. That would be fun you know, to see. it's not as prevalent there the nhl is the same thing where it's like they you know they really hope like an original six team gets in there like a like a boston or or detroit oh well it's especially like toronto if toronto or montreal got in there dear god it'd be toronto especially because they haven't won since the 60s they haven't been to the Stanley cup finals since the 60s um and for baseball I mean, you had Houston and Washington that did pretty well. Washington's a huge market, though, and so is Houston. So it's um, not – I think – I don't know. Baseball has its fans. They've made more money than they've ever made ever at this point. I think they made the most this year than they've ever – they've been trending up even though attendance numbers are going down. But they're – Although, let's be honest, uh, based on what the Astros 
and the Red Sox been doing, that money is kind of going in the trash. You know what I mean? I'm laughing a little bit because I don't know if you guys saw this. It was going around the unawful announcing that high school game, the high school basketball game. I don't know if you guys. Uh, I, I wish I could. No. I wish I could. Okay, so in this high school, I don't know where, some high school, somewhere out there, they have a broadcast. They actually have a broadcast. Uh, probably on, on online broadcast, and they have two students doing the color commentary and the and the play by play. So one of the students was like, "Oh, I'd like to give a a shout out or like some memorial to my my beloved dog Daisy. Uh, she, yeah, Twelve years old, she died. Uh, she got run over by a car, and then like a huge play happened during the game, and the color analyst is like, "Oh my God, did she get run over by like that? That was a fantastic play! Oh my God! <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's horrible! Oh, oh God! I I felt so guilty for laughing, but I'm like, oh, high school kids. He probably went over his head." Like he probably wasn't sensitive to it. It's it's hilarious and it's kind of morbid at the same time. Oh, sorry. It, it, you have to find it. Go on Twitter and find it. It's hilarious. Okay, I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent there. Um, this show. We might as well just nickname the show the Tangent Show or something. Yeah. We go on tangents way more than we should. tangent. Actually, I wanted to ask you guys something. Uh, so. Uh, there was an argument as to are chicken wings overrated? What? <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Call this tangent. Okay. It, 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 oh, because it, the argument was it was a sports um, uh, a sports anchor down here, and he was like, I, "Like chicken wings are overrated. Like I I, de- I prefer chicken tenders over chicken wings any day." Uh, I don't understand the appeal. I've hated them since I was a kid. And that was the hot take for about 10 minutes that they, they went on about chicken wings versus chicken tenders. And I kind of have to side on the chicken tender side of this argument. I think, like, I'm not a chicken wings guy. If I ha- if you put the two of two oh, versus no. me, I'm like, why? Chicken wings are work. Why do you want to? Uh, uh, chicken tenders offer me all of the ease of just sticking in my mouth. And please, and this could be taken out of context, but yeah, and just letting it, and just letting my mouth work, without, you know, like pulling it with my teeth and gnashing it and bones and having to discard the bones. Chicken tenders, or chicken nuggets, what what have you, make it easy, and simple. And that's that's my thing. I love the ease of the chicken tenders. Chicken wings are just way too much work. <laughs> Uh, Charles is stewing. <laughs> well, you, you know, I've talked too much with my Mike Vrabel and, you know, man enough to cut his penis off because he wants something so great like Super Bowl. I'm going to let the other two attack it because I have notes now. I'm writing notes as we speak. Oh, my God. <laughs> Alec, uh, Gentleman. Let's, let's start with you. I agree with... Agree with who? I, I am not a fan of chicken wings. Oh, oh, there we go. That's how it is. That's that's the ticket right there. Uh, well, give us your reasoning. I just, I've never enjoyed the the weird kind of visceral pulling apart chicken bones to get at the meat, especially like 
in company. It's it's weird to me. You know, I, I don't need to like sitting at a restaurant with like yeah. you know, like uh, your family or some friends or a girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing with ribs. Like I can't do just you know pick up and eat ribs. That it just it's weird to me, except in certain contexts, which is different. But yeah, never never been a fan. Uh, let's see. Hmm, Andrew, you, <laughs> Charles, <laughs> Charles needs you to get on his side. <laughs> well, my take is I think there's an appropriate situation for each. That's uh, a bit on the fence there. I, I'm on the fence answer. about everything. <laughs> That's a lawyer answer, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, you're, you're stuck in that gray area right now. <laughs> Alec has uh, honestly once said in the mod chat, um, the term, the phrase "it depends" is kind of like the free space on the lawyer bingo board. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. Um, that being said, I'm in the chicken tender slash boneless wings camp. Uh, they do have boneless, boneless wings. wings. That's Bones like it, 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 that's that's how I always thought of it. Like I, yeah. like uh, it's just you know in name only that it's a wing. Well, the reason I make the distinction between a chicken tender and a boneless wing is the shape, and also generally speaking, chicken tenders don't have sauce on them. You add the sauce separate. You dip, uh, whereas boneless wings they are pre-sauced. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll allow it for now. <laughs> this uh, kind of remi- this reminds me of that episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, with the the cereal defense. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but you should see it. It's really yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Charles. I feel like you you've, you're you're getting your points down. You're you're getting ready for for your argument here. So, gentlemen, I'm just gonna start with this. I went to Washington D.C. over the weekend. I was there Thursday mm. all the way till Sunday. And there's a point to this because on Saturday, we, you know, my buddy and his wife live in, you know, DC in the heart of it, 15 minutes away from Arlington, 15 minutes away from Arlington Cemetery. So one of the places I got to go to was the Veteran Memorial, where, you know, they have this big statue of um, the Iwo Jima, you know, flags of our fathers, their planet on there. It's beautiful, great. And as I was there, I see this beautiful statue and I see this. Uh, American flag, red, white, and blue, 50 stars on there, and the wind's kind of there, so it's captivating it. Where are you going with this, Charles? Don't upset our Russian audience. (laughs) We respect everything, but I looked at that flag, and you know what I look at? Chicken wings. (laughs) (laughs) I think about that statue of chicken wings or American chicken wings, because the thing about chicken wings is that it is visceral. Because they fought for our freedom, and I will fight to take the meat off that bone. Because here's the thing about chicken wings, you guys. Let me tell you about chicken tenders. What are chicken tenders? Oh, oh does your mouth hurt? Oh, I can't deal with the bone cutting up my mouth and giving me ulcers. It's so bad. But you don't have your chicken tenders from Publix that pretends to be good. I'll eat that bone right now. You know, if it kills me, good. That means the chicken won. The chicken, the chicken wings, point number one, is a pure example of what it means to be a meat eater. The pure reflection of like something died for my, for my, for my enjoyment. 
you know, it, it, you get this nice, you can have many ways, crispy, wet, extra wet, grilled, seasoned rubs, which are kind of weird, not my flex, but okay. <laughs> weird flex, but okay, there you go. You can get them saucy. You can have a myriad of sauces. Have you had medium parmesan? Have you had garlic parmesan? Have you had hot? Have you had nuclear? You can barbecue. <laughs> what, what can you do with a, a chicken tender? Look, I like chicken tenders, but oh, oh, I'm just gonna dunk it. I'm gonna dunk it. You, you get it. Yeah, I'm gonna Come dunk it just like Jonas Antetokounmpo does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. But you know what, though? A perfect example. Because here's the thing about chicken tenders: great amongst the consensus, but it can't win the ring. The real thing. There we go. Get your MVP to contenders, but your ass is staying at home come the NBA Finals. That's you, chicken tenders. Public chicken tenders, it's okay. Let's stop acting like they're the greatest thing ever. Because you know what? By itself, you're like, ah, it's a little soggy. It's a little wet. But I need some barbecue sauce. I need some uh, little bit of pasta uh, splinter. But on your, your chicken wing, it's already there, man. And you know what's great about chicken wings versus chicken tenders? You get a variety. You can have a drum or a wing. And you know what's great about them too? Depending where you go, sizes. Have you seen these jumbos? <laughs> and you're like, oh man, this is so great. Because what can I do with my hot wings? I can also dunk it in blue cheese or ranch. Ugh, oh my goodness. Cheese. What? I can, I can, hey, it's fine. Whatever you're close to your boat, you can mix up and eat it. Mm, tasty, tasty. And you know what, you guys? I'm never hungry when I go through a stack of 20 chicken wings. I hate myself later. But those three, four plate chicken tenders, oh, it's delicious because I got to eat the fries. To be full completely, I look at chicken tenders and I think of what man children would eat because we're one step away from just getting nug nugs, you guys. <laughs> I don't think a little kid, you wonder why kids can't eat chicken wings? Because they are inferior to the concept of eating something with bones. They would choke and die. But a chicken wing is a representation of man. Just the same representation of the men who were putting on that flag that I saw in a cemetery down in Arlington. Chicken tenders, they're just man-boy versions or girl-woman versions of what you can have with chicken nuggets. And you know what, you guys? Boneless wings, Andrew? It's a cop-out because they're chicken tenders. They're just midget chicken tenders. And we know this. Oh and we know this. <laughs> this is almost like the great taco burrito debate of 2019. And I'm still heated on it. And let me tell you something now. I'll eat anything you put in front of me. You guys give me chicken tenders, I'll eat it too. But I have to make a stand because the tyranny of the majority is what led to this great nation. Who <laughs> <laughs> I'm certain is a tender lover. I, I lost oh, your train of thought there. Oh <laughs> my god. That, what, what's happening? As, as, as Francisco will attest, that is not an unusual occurrence with Charles. It's a, it becomes a stream of consciousness, but I, I, I get the sentiment, that's for sure. Oh boy. I, will say, I feel like he's going to write something, be like Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> I will I say chicken wings. I I discovered recently that there's a way that you can break the bone that you can slide the meat off. If I remembered how to do that, I would be much more inclined to have uh, chicken wings. Yeah, it's too feel much like work. You're, maxim you're maximizing the amount of chicken that you can get. Because one of the problems with uh, chicken wings is you're leaving some meat on the bone. Yeah, you have to deal with the gristle and all that stuff and the weird thing top part there. And, uh, and it gets skinny on some end. Sometimes it's just not even... I mean, chicken tenders, it's all there. It's all there for you. You can eat the whole thing. It's all meat. And again, that's why I said, I know you called it a cop-out, but I think that boneless wings are kind of a good healthy medium 
It's for your boneless fans. It is more wing than chicken tender or nug nugs, as you also refer to. You know what we should do? We should get Charles in that hot. There's, there's, uh, you know, hot ones. Yeah. On, uh, on YouTube, they're making a game show of it now. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be on True TV, I think. So uh, we need to get Charles on that show. Gladly. Gladly, and I will cry because my tolerance for hot is like the Latin in me leaves really quickly once we go back to like stage four. <laughs> oh gosh! All right. Did we learn something today, gentlemen? Chicken tenders are awesome and better than wings. <laughs> chicken wings are and they're American. And and chicken wings else. are America. Thank you. Thank you. That's what comes uh, across. Okay. All right, so I think we can kind of move on to our middle segment because we're kind of in the middle there. Um, and it w- so it's a word from our non-sponsors. Do you want to introduce that? I, I mean, you can explain it. Okay. To- so as I'm sure you know, Alec, a lot of place, a lot of podcasts or whatever, take a break in, in the middle of a show and say, now a word from our sponsor. Uh, today's sponsor is SeatGeek or whatever the hell it is. Manscaped. Manscaped, uh, if you're a Five Points Vids fan. Um, well, up until recently, we didn't have any sponsors, and I guess technically we do. Uh, was it Astro Gaming? Yeah, we had Astro Gaming headset and Everspace 2 and some other stuff. I don't know. I mean, it comes in and out whenever they feel like it, but yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. FYI, Charles had Publix popcorn chicken for lunch, so I'm a fraud. <laughs> oh, you should you should just call yourself Clemson. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> or the 76ers. Oh, <laughs> or, or the Astros or the Red Sox. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that afterwards. No, um, oh, that's yeah, that's a difference. So anyway, uh, word from our non-sponsor is. About halfway through the show, we say uh, a sponsor of people, product. places, things, concept that we kind of liked. Proper you know, amount. yeah, shout outs and stuff. We gave a fake promo code shout at the out end to of your it. Favorite proper noun of the week. Okay. Um, so, would you care to start us off, Alec, or do you need a second to think about it? Wait. So, so what am I? Anyone or anything that you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, it's like, oh, I, you know, I, my, my non-sponsor is the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Sword and Shield lately and, you know, that type of stuff. <laughs> uh, I, can, I can start to give an example. Sure, go for it. Okay, so uh, my non-sponsor, I usually put it up on the screen here as we talk about it. Uh, my, my non-sponsor is a guy named Ryan George. Uh, you guys don't know who he is. He's on YouTube. Uh, and I actually showed him to Andrew, uh, this guy that makes... Um, uh, he makes a series on the YouTube channel Screen Rants, but he actually has his own separate YouTube channel, which is pretty funny as well. He's a uh, French-Canadian guy. Uh, he lives in Montreal, but he makes these absolutely hilarious pitch meeting videos where he pretends to be a Hollywood producer and a Hollywood screenwriter that's pitching the idea for a new movie to the guy. So he has several, like all these popular movies, Home Alone, the Marvel movies, Harry Potter, Batman, all that type of stuff. And he does it in the same context of like the time period that it was made in. And 
and he he has all of these inside jokes or not inside jokes or just jokes or, or or observations about the movies that are like you know plot holes or stuff that's not answered in the movie whatsoever just stuff that that doesn't make sense when you think about it like um or just stuff from the time period that hasn't aged very well. So, like, he'll make a joke, like, uh, when he's pitching the, the show Seinfeld, it's like, uh, he's like, I want you know, make a show that'll have jokes in the show that will be timeless uh, from here on out. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, what type of jokes? Like, you know, he'll, he'll make a joke about, like, you know, hey, it really sucks when you're, when you're waiting uh, behind somebody uh, to use a payphone, he's like, "Oh yeah, I hate that problem. That problem is always going to be with us, you know." <laughs> like he'll make that that observation. So look for him. Uh, so just go on YouTube, search, and I'll, I'll post. Uh, I'll actually put up his his own separate channel here, uh, Ryan George, or just search for pitch meetings, and he's got like a, like probably like a hundred of them at this point. They're probably like between five, like like five and eight minutes long. So they're not very long. So they're nice bite-sized pieces. So uh, Ryan George, he's hilarious. He's funny. And yeah, give him, give him a watch. Subscribe to him if you want. Promo code? Uh, promo code is uh, super easy. Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> and if you watch his thing, you'll come to know that sentence very much. So... Uh... Okay, so my my non-sponsor would have to be another YouTuber, actually. Oh. It's called The Lockpicking Lawyer. And The Lockpicking Lawyer, as you might surmise, is a lawyer. Um, but what his channel is all about is um, he picks locks. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm concentrating yeah, on uh, putting this up. Yeah, you know, I, I've seen that. It's fascinating. Th this guy is—he's a master at picking locks. He, there is nothing he can't pick. Um, so it's—I—I I thank him, my non-sponsor, because for one thing, it's very, very fascinating info. But then also, it shows I cannot trust most locks. So I, no. if I if there's anything that I really need to lock up securely, I need to watch him and get like his seal of approval. Um, like for instance, he picked a gun lock. One of the episodes I was watching today is he picked a gun lock with a Lego astronaut, um, <laughs> and he picked a another lock, like a lock safe uh, that you might see at a hotel with a shard of orange juice bottle. My mouth is agape <laughs> at this. Like, wow, this is just, this is all his channel does is unlock locks or pick locks. And it, it's brilliant. He has over a million subscribers. Dear God. And, you know, a lot of people understand. We should so. just make our channel with Charles talking about chicken wings. <laughs> Yes. Or Charles just talks about anything. We should just make that our own channel. Um, Charles rant of the day. Um, so it, it's it's fun. I enjoy watching it. It's semi-educational uh, if you think about it. And honestly, I'd love for him to kind of have like a lock-picking lawyer seal of approval. 
so I know what to and what not to <laughs> buy. Um, and he he is a huge enemy hates Master Lock, which is one of the more uh, prevalent lock companies. Yeah, that's like the only one that now that you named them, like oh yeah, that is a company that I know that makes <laughs> locks. Like the like the only one I would think. Yeah, you can bump one of their U-shaped locks with a piece of uh, pop can. Yeah, it's they are not a they are not a company to purchase locks from. So anyway, lock picking lawyer um, promo code. I already unlocked it. Seriously, it's he takes like sometimes thirty seconds to to unlock a lock. So I'll just say, in the time of this ad, uh, promo code, it was already unlocked. I mean, we there was one that was on. Yeah, he did in like thirty seconds. I told you. Like he does not he does not mess around and go for that ten minute mark to get uh, money or whatever. He just he gets in and out, and one of the episodes he unlocked it three times in under two minutes, three different ways. Charles, can you unlock our hearts? Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has. <laughs> I think he already did. Yeah. I think he he has unlocked our hearts. Okay. Oh, that's great. Interesting. Uh, you want to go, Charles? Yeah, I'll okay. go. Well, it's it's pretty simple. You know, we know what my uh, my thing. It's gonna be chicken wings. No, no, no. I, I can only beat a horse dead so many times before uh, I even know that my audience is dead. I bet the horse is better in tender form, though. The <laughs> <laughs> horse means bad for you, but you know we'll, we'll give it a try. So I was kind of thinking about it because you guys know I went on vacation. I was only there for like three and a half days. I don't know if any of you have been to D.C. before. I had never been. And whenever I travel, I try to use food as my basis of going. So I went to a few places in D.C. You know, you know, I saw some, I mean, I went to Capitol. I did all this weird stuff. My, you know, the connections there was great. But, you know, food is really what my primary mode of attack was. So, you know, I, I thought about it. And I decided what I was going to choose now, you guys, because... I went to a place that sounded almost as American as the concept of chicken wings itself. I went to the Federalist Pig. And it kind of plays out like a smoke cow, so a barbecue joint, you know, kind of come and go, and they got you a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything there. You want some chicken? You want some pulled pork? They got a sandwich called a Larry David. I didn't want any pastrami that day, but literally on their chalkboard had his face on it. For anybody who doesn't know Larry David, creator Seinfeld, also Kirby Enthusiasm, season 10 is coming out soon, Mitch. So I have myself a Texas Ranger. It is, you know, uh, a brisket, which is very nice, with some barbecue sauce, with some uh, curly onions or straw, straw ring onions, horseshoe onions, whatever the hell you call them. And I took a bite of it. I was like, damn. This is damn. So get a few other things, got me the sauces. But they have a wide variety, as you see on the screen, a wide variety of options of what you choose from. And if you like a little bit of that barbecue. I love a little bit of that barbecue. I'm a big fan of it. You know, I would suggest if you're here, go travel it. I couldn't because God knows I didn't drive. But, you know, I felt content and happy. And they have a variety, gentlemen, a variety of sauces, hot 
barbecue. They got dum dum sauce there. I don't know what that was. Dum dum sauce. All these other things. Yes. What is that? I don't know. I didn't try it, but I wanted to. You know, I, I felt like I could emerge. They had a two plate combo, gentlemen, for like fourteen bucks. You get two meats and two sizes. We were out in public. I didn't want to scare my people by showing how visceral I could be by eating something off the bone. Um, <laughs> the hot dogs that you see in the background, brisket, I love brisket, pulled pork. So, if I had to suggest, and I'll go back to DC, I'll try some other food. There's other places I could recommend, but I will give my light to Federalist Pick because one, the name is great. You see chicken wings there, guys, in the background. I bet they taste very good. I bet they taste like freedom. You said um, it was. You said the place is called so, the Federalist Pig. Yep. Indeed, it is. This place is approved by Thomas Jefferson. It, exactly. See, it all comes <laughs> together. So I recommend you guys try it out. It's pretty cheap, pretty uh, pretty nice, pretty tasty. Pharaoh's pig, you know, it'll make you both a piggy and kind of like, you know, <laughs> an American. That's me. Promo code uh, freedom. There you go. Even though it probably has nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Alec, do you want to give it a shot? Sure. So... My non-sponsor for today is going to be a podcast I've listened to for a long time. Well, not a long time, but long enough to, to enjoy it quite a bit and finally get caught up with a fairly large back catalog. Uh, it is the film re-roll, and the film re-roll takes well-known movies like Jurassic Park or Frozen or uh, Speed, or the one I'm listening to now is... Um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and replays them as a tabletop RPG. <laughs> <laughs> it is phenomenal. The, the group is mostly actors and uh, like screen personalities, so it's people who are in media doing basically improv, but instead of the improv being whatever they make up. It's based on whatever the die rolls are. Uh, they use GURPS, so there's a lot of flexibility built into that. Um, it's it's hilarious. They get along really well. Um, highly recommended. <laughs> uh, Give it a shot. I'm looking at it now. They've got. I mean, it's it's. They've got Blade Runner, Adventure Time, uh, Practical Magic, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Time Bandits, Winnie the Pooh, and the Blustery Day. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're all great. Um, if you want a good start point for all of this, um, so Wizard of Oz gets completely insane. Oh, I have to see the Pokemon the first movie too. <laughs> the Pokemon one is great. It's it's bizarre. Um, they have one of. <laughs> as Pikachu, it, it is exactly Pikachu. It's the weirdest thing. Um, <laughs> okay, it, it's amazing. Um, so, so the promo code for that will be arms and legs, and I will leave it to you to discover where that comes up. Oh my God! Uh, and they're on Apple Podcasts and on Android. Oh, this is perfect. Well, I know what you're going to be listening in your ride to work out. Oh, that's for sure. Dear this, Lord. This guy just listens to Miami Sports Talk Radio all the time. I do, and I listen to another one called Completely Unnecessary Podcast, which is just like gaming news and stuff like that. There's another one called Extra Napkins, which I like. 
Uh, it's just a couple of guys that worked in the restaurant industry. They just talk about their stories. Uh, but th- <laughs> uh, that's but this is great. Oh my god! And I'm playing it a little bit right now on the screen, so you can hear it a little bit. And they, they go on weird tangents too, because they're they're film buffs and yeah, they know the industry uh, to a degree. So oh my god! I'm playing like the first minute of the Pokemon one, and it's like when we last left our heroes, Ash and Mister, like it's just like the show, just like the TV show. <laughs> This exact intro into wow, these people are good. This is fun. Oh, definitely. Hold on, I gotta find this right now on my phone so I don't forget it. I'm actually gonna type it in right now on my phone and search for this. Oh boy, this is great. Okay, the film reroll podcast. Ugh. Well, while you do that, let's um, I don't know what's another topic we should discuss. Oh, let's talk about baseball. I mean, it's huge. The, the the cheating scandal. I mean, Charles is livid. The, the Yankees should have faced the, the, the Dodgers in the World Series twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you hear much about this, Alec? Oh, yeah. I've been following it off and on. Not nearly as closely, so I don't, I don't have a super strong opinion. But I mean, I do. Like, I, I'm thinking about the repercussions of the whole thing. Like, I bought a Houston Astros hat because of... Because, okay, so the Houston Astros, I'm from West Palm Beach, Florida. And the Astros and the Nationals both uh, share a spring training complex that they just built, like, two seasons ago um, in West Palm Beach, brand new. So I was like, oh, hometown pride. I bought a Houston Astros uh, hat. Uh supporting them and uh i like the team i like the makeup I like jose altuve uh i like um i like carlos correa i mean it, just all the makeup of the team I was just, um freaking uh justin verlander got his first championship uh, as well like all of that was like cool and it was and they and they did it their first season in west palm beach which was pretty cool and then the next season and then like last year was between both teams that shared that complex which was pretty cool but now it's like, oh, my life is a lie. <laughs> you know, they, they, they scorned, they, 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 they deceived me. Um, it's kind of like finding out, like, you know, you were adopted or something. I have no idea. Uh, though this whole time, like, it's like, yeah, or, 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 or the Astros weren't really your dad. Uh, Going back to the whole stepdad thing. I, I guess, but because my team are the Marlins and I've suffered long and hard but Derek Jeter is our lord and savior and he'll get us a championship within this decade um, and look uh, it calls into question that entire season Jose Altuve won the MVP that year like everything went well for Houston except for that massive hurricane like that was like the one thing that kind of got everybody together, banded together, all types of stuff, just all that type of stuff. And now you sullied all of that. The Astros sullied all of that with the cheating scandal. And the thing is, I mean, it's tough to know, but some part of me thinks that they still would have been extremely successful even if they didn't have this cheating system going on. Well, I mean, it's tough to know. It's tough to know. I mean, you can, you can, I feel like, and, and the, the the point man of all this is Alex Alex Cora, because because um, he kind of has a connection to both the Astros and the Red Sox. But we'll get to that soon. The Astros, um, 
Look, the team was very well constructed. It's a good team. It is a good team. They, they took a lot of guys from the Cardinals uh, front office, executive uh, and front office and scouting uh, to build them up. Uh, and the Cardinals know what they're doing as well. But it's still like, so the team is well constructed. It feels like they didn't have to do this, but they were they they felt like they they were so close to getting a championship. They needed that one little extra push to get them over the top. When it like I don't know, I I can't even. I, I guess the New England Patriots would be the only team that I could kind of compare them to. Like they cheated, but there wasn't really a need to, or they they shouldn't have felt a need to. Uh, it this year the Nationals beat them and the 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 claim is that the Astros cheated during their home games they couldn't get away with this in their in their in the road stadium they used cameras uh, placed in center field to get a video feed of the 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 the, the pitches the the signs for for the other team um, and they would relay that to I guess an iPad or something. Uh, in the dugout, and the dugout would then use a garbage can to signal to the batter what was coming up. And that was the dirty part, just using the electronic means of cheating in that sense. And, and this, is, this is nothing new. I mean, the whole trash can thing is new. Look, I, don't, like, I don't care if they... I don't care if, if they had done it... Uh, Manually. Manually or analog or whatever you want to call it. If they had, if there was a guy on second base and the the catcher or the pitcher was tipping his pitches, that's just baseball. Okay, the guy should yeah. learn he to be better. Be and if they have like a weird system where they bang on trash cans, like like whatever, then so be it. That's the way they communicate. But the electronic use, using a camera, using an iPad to 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 do this, is the dirty part. It's the is the nefarious part. It's the part where it's like. Um, because you, you can't do that in football. You can't you can't even film a practice. The the Patriots got dinged for filming a practice of the Cincinnati Bengals. For it, it was you know for their web series or whatever. But still, they got dinged for it because nobody would honestly have to prepare much for the Bengals. But like the the Astros did this in a nefarious way, and it was pretty cool of that pitcher to step up and say, "Hey, we did this," and it kind of opened the floodgates. But but also John Boy, John Boy Media. Oh uh, well, he's a Yankees fan, right? But he really blew open the floodgates because you know as much as you know the athletic article or that picture, he was Dallas Braden. Um, but John Boy found the videos, the video clips, and sync and posted them to show what everyone was talking about so that you could distinctly hear the bang of trash cans right so that brought it from kind of the uh rumor or myth rumor or, or whatever you know for the audio visual learners you know it from an from, it brought it from an accusation to like something that definitely happened right and you've got the concrete evidence it's you can't not hear the banging so I think it was just like a team effort. Poor you, Darvish. <laughs> <laughs> he got screwed the most out of everyone. Um, That's true. Like, uh, it's assumed that it was only the 2017 season. 
because the Astros, well, they lost every game in Houston in the World Series this past this uh, this past World Series. But uh, still, it was like we needed to like like I know it's hard to win a World Series. It's really hard. It's really hard to win any championship. So I maybe they felt like if we don't do it now, we're never gonna do it. Or I don't know. They got desperate. And good on the owner for firing. I mean, that was pretty. It's pretty huge. But at the same time, there's the argument on, it's like, would you have, would you have traded firing your manager and your general manager to build this team for one World Series championship? Like a lot of owners and teams would say yes. And they still have the championship. You can put an asterisk next to it or all that stuff. They made their money. They have it there. I mean, but it's, but of course the stigma as a fan base, I'd hate to have that stigma. Because not everybody can call you out. Well, Dodgers should have won that World Series or the Yankees should have been the American League champion. You know, uh, so uh, I'm I'm ranting on, but you know, get your your guys' thoughts. Yeah. No, I um, go ahead. Well, it just it was an uneven playing field, and and that's really what it was. If it were open to everyone to do the same thing, and there was knowledge of it, then pitchers would have adapted. But because it was you know one or who knows? There's been other teams linked to it, but um, doing the same. You just can't. You can't do that. Um, you can't have an unfair advantage. It's kind of like that. Uh, that that hate that, that Halo meme. Wait, that's illegal. <laughs> you know that image. It's red versus blue. You you heathen. <laughs> Now, let me ask you this, Alex, since you have more experience with college football. Um, so you know how Reggie Bush got his Heisman taken away? Mm-hmm. Would you be okay with them rescinding, taking back the, the World Series title? I mean, USC got their national championships yep. taken away. I think... The MLB should do that if they can prove that advantage was enough to win them the games. It's not like issues with recruiting, which is different because those players are going to play in every game. Um, but baseball's so finicky that I don't know. I don't have a, a solid answer for that. There's so many like, variables. He's right. Best. But yeah, I, I I can't I can't say that, and it's not gonna change anything. Uh, is the biggest thing, you know. You, you strip that from them, they still won it. They still got the the eyes on, and now they're dealing with the aftermath of the the issue, regardless. So, I yeah, I don't know. I I found it the gamesmanship, because, all right, uh, as many people say, hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things to do in sports. Which it is. So, so, once again, it's that unfair advantage type of thing. Yes, you still have to hit the baseball, but it makes it infinitely much easier if you know what pitch is coming. I mean, baseball used to be like that way back in the olden times. You actually had to call, you actually had to tell the pitcher, hey, I want it like this. And they would throw it that way. <laughs> right. No, it's true. It, 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 and so... 
you kind of get to that middle ground where it's like, okay, that guy's going to throw a curveball at me. I'm prepped for the curveball. You know what a curveball looks like. You've seen They have scouting reports in those iPads. You've seen what the guy's curveball looks like. You kind of know how it dips. And then more than that as well, um, it it can mean the difference with some pitchers. Like, um, it could mean an MVP for Jose Altuve. He hit awesome that year. Right, or like... Um, for 81 games, he might have known what was coming at him. Yeah, that's that's the frustrating thing. Or like... Um, what was it? Excuse me. Um, Jose Altuve hurt us. <laughs> <laughs> um, for, let's say, a, let's say a pitcher like Clayton Kershaw... The difference between, a f- in his prime at least, and I'm not talking playoff oh, play. Poor Kershaw. Um, the difference between a, a fastball and a curveball or another off-speed pitch is, can be close to 20 miles per hour. Um, so being able to know, all right, you're going to be swinging real fast or... You know what? You can take your time here because that thing is going to be going in real slow. Uh, that's a huge difference maker. Just think about it. Like, just think about a uh, a changeup. Like fastballs. Okay, you just have to catch up to the speed, and that's it. But a changeup, you know, player hitters get fooled by changeups all the time. Right. They're either way too early or they kind of they they sit back way too long and they miss. But you know that a changeup is coming. You're, ti- you're already timed up for it. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. it's going to come at me 85, 80 maybe, depending on the pitcher. That half second makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. And it also makes a massive difference on how you hit it too because you, you can kind of you kind of swing for the fences there. I mean, see what Alex Rodriguez did to El Duque with one of his Ephus pitches. He mm-hmm. absolutely teed off on that thing. Uh, do you know what Ethos pitch is, Alex? Alex? Oh yeah. Oh, indeed. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, those are those are fascinating. They are very fascinating. They're very funny. <laughs> but very effective. Or like um, uh, knuckle knuckleball. <laughs> if, if you don't, if that thing moves or it doesn't break correctly, that thing is like a watermelon. So we haven't heard from a resident Yankee fan here. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I was taking notes. Okay. <laughs> waiting until things. And because I think each of you kind of bring up, and I, I won't go crazy on this like I did on chicken wings, even though I should be more passionate about this than chicken wings, because I mean, there's something more God-loving than the New York Yankees. Um, so the three things I kind of want to touch upon is no, don't take away the title, don't take away the MVP, because at the end of the day, there's always that possibility of losing. You're reading pitches, but also depending how your other side of the game play, you know, with Berglander pitch and a few of the other cats that they had, you want it, there's nothing that's going to be indisputable that says, hey, if you didn't have it, you still have not have won it. I mean, you can kind of mess with uh, Atuve <coughs> a little bit, but you, you know, that's requiring Carlos Beltran and Alex Cora to sell him out. Because you got to remember, Beltran was the one who was on the team still when Cora, the bench manager at that time, was initiating everything. 
but I, I don't see the point that comes in. It's the same thing. It's a stain. It's a mark on their reputation. We understand that. I feel bad for um, the Dodgers, but here's the truth, too. Them taking away doesn't even validate the opportunity that you would have had to win, right? So you don't know. You, you may be not given a fair advantage, but it's not like you're going to be awarded the championship, the World Series championship, because that's even me. Because remember who played them, gentlemen, and the ALCS and took him to seven. And it was the New York Yankees. So if I'm not putting in this pettiness thing, even though I do feel we would have beaten the Dodgers, because the Dodgers do one fantastic thing, they Bill O'Brien it, and they choke <laughs> in the big game. If I'm not as crazy about it, you don't need to be as crazy about it. Although I... Does it smear? Depending on... Well, I'm saying you guys need to I do have a bit of a... If they ended up doing it in the 2019 season, I forget if they did, um, I have a bit of a beef with them because there is a chance that they may have used it to defeat my Tampa Bay Rays. And us too. I mean, I, I, we get the beef. But the idea is that does this really resolve anything that would happen in the 2018, 2017 yeah, World Series? No, right? The other thing is that we're in an era, we, you guys mentioned it earlier, I can't put in the text message or the, uh, the message log about people steal signs all the time. We had the steroids era. You know, there's always a competitive advantage for somebody or some team, right? And all you can do for baseball is just crack down and hope that that's a um, detente or a diffuser for other people to do it. I mean, and you look at the blowback here that has occurred, and we'll never talk about whether or not enough it was enough, but it could have been, I think, maybe a worse penalty, at least for the managers. But here's the thing. We know A.J. Hinch, once the 2020 World Series is complete, will find a job. I don't know about the GM because he's also the guy who hired uh, Topman. Um, so that's an issue. And for you guys to remember, Todman was the assistant to GMT Astros. Oh, assistant. yeah. Yes, he is. <laughs> Alex Cora, on the other hand, oh, boy, I, I don't know. Ooh. Because he might be the one that gets the Pete Rose equivalent of a death sentence in the MLB because we're talking about you initiated this in Houston, led to a championship, and just so coincidentally, coincidentally you might have propelled that use for a manager position with Rem the Boston Red Sox, and you won them a... Uh, championship mm -hmm. and coincidentally who had a great fantastic year that had never been done before Mookie Betts so it taints a lot of people's legacy remember they got dinged for having an Apple Watch yeah. in in the dugout or using it whatever and who's I mean so there's already s massive suspicions just from that alone I mean, they could just be sending signals to the watch I mean the, the Apple Watch I mean I've got one on right now it's pretty like you can hide it pretty well in a in a in a, in a jacket, and just kind of look at it. Once it could you can even kind of disguise it to look like an actual uh, analog watch if you want, or, or or digital watch. Weird. I just got a call from Rob Manfred. <laughs> and that's the uh, third point that I'll make. At least you have a commissioner who is being more stringent. I mean, look. Andrew and Alex was in this, but the three of us had talked about the penalties were. It could have been worse on the penalties. I'm not saying worse as in, you know, proper repercussions. It could have been worse as that Manfred just kind of stays away from this and doesn't try. But Seelig did in a way. It, right, but his 
decision to suspend Hinch and Ludnow for a year leads to Crane firing them. And mind you, let's be honest here. Crane fired them for two reasons. It cost me $5 million, which is a lot of money, you guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, because here's the thing. I never believe an owner never knows what's going on. But the idea is if he truly did not know what's going on, then you made a very powerful man look like an idiot. And, and you know, there's always kind of a That's a fantastic that. point. Okay, so when Jim Crane bought the Houston Astros, like the Astros were mired in mediocrity. You know, they had the, the Biggio, Clemens, Bagwell era. They went to the World Series in 05 and that type of stuff. But then they kind of mired in mediocrity. They were kind of, man, they were an average team, didn't make the playoffs, but weren't like the worst team. But it was clear that they had to rebuild. Jim Crane bought the team and stripped the team. And he let, I think he took out a newspaper ad uh, telling Astros or Houston, the city of Houston, like, hey, look, I'm going to gut this team, strip it for parts, try and rebuild it. It's going to be painful. It's going to be long. I know it's going to suck, but I'm hoping that this will turn out really well for us. So he baseball equivalent of the 76 process. Essentially. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, the, the baseball version of that, but he was upfront about it mm -hmm. and try to be as, as nice about it as possible. Um, and the Astros suffered. They suffered in attendance. They suffered whatever. But he's like, they have to do this. They had to do this. So he's a bit, he, you sully all of that. Once again, you, you ruin that with this cheating thing. You, if he didn't know about it, like Charles said, you make him look like a fool. You make him look like a cheater. You make the franchise look like a cheater. You kind of, and once, once again, I, I said it again, like, you know, Houston went through a lot in 2017. The city alone, the Hurricane Harvey, all that type of stuff. The Astros won the World Series after that. So you, all of that is off, it's on the wayside now. Everybody's like, okay, put an asterisk next to them. The Dodgers should have won. The Yankees should have gone. Like, you, you lose all of that moving forward. Um, I don't know if it's akin to the Black Sox scandal. If you will, I don't know if it's aching to Pete Rose, but it's, I'd say it's up there now. I'd say it's up there if, if that's, if, if that's what, I mean, I know social media and all that stuff makes it things seem bigger than what they are, but I, it's a competitive disadvantage like that. I find, and like, like, I know players have cheated. People have cheated all the time. Uh, spitballs, you know, putting a bunch of gunk on your fingers and well, whatever, all that type of stuff. Against the rules. <laughs> but, um, well, this, yeah, this was against it, so, um, well, up until the, uh, oh, crap, I forget his name, I'm, I'm very annoyed at myself, um, up until the guy was killed on the field because he was hit in the head by a ball that he didn't see, um, any sort of gunk, I mean, pitchers would intentionally, like, rub mud on the ball or spitballs or whatever to make the ball not just harder to hit, literally, but you literally could not see the ball. Um, it's because of that that you see umpires, whenever the ball hits the dirt, basically, that the... Carlos Beltran. Okay, so Charles is posing the question, does Carlos Beltran have a job with the Mets after this? Why? I mean, he was a player during this time. Oh, uh, was he? Now... We, I, I, don't, I don't know how much we know the involvement he had 
once again, there's a lot of great stories that the Astros team had. Verlander gets his one. Beltran goes off into the sunset. All that type of stuff, but I'm not sure. I don't know if he'll. I don't. I don't. I don't think it'll reach him. I think they really. They might just. Especially MLB wants to nip this in the bud now, so they'll do what they have to do to hinge to the to the GM and to Alex Cora, and hopefully it'll die down after that. Because, um, you know, it just it doesn't look good for them. It doesn't look good for them to extend this into other people. And to other franchises as well. Yeah, and, and you run into the situation. Like what, what did he do to actually set everything up? And, and if he was a player, then the answer is not much. So, you know, why? It's punitive at that point. I yeah, I think so. Okay, any more about this this topic, guys? Not for me. No. <laughs> Nothing here. All right, so. Uh, Are you still with us, Alec? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's there. Yeah, he's hanging out. Uh, okay, so. Oh, we, we we have to do this. This is Alex's first show on air. We have to go to the cage. Oh yes. Ooh. Yeah, we're, we're 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 at the end here, so yeah. We have to dedicate a lot of time to the cage because I think there's been a lot of news. Alright, so I, I, I guess get the graphic going because we're going to take Alec by surprise completely. <laughs> Pants down. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear your reaction, Alec. Alright, 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 let's do it. Welcome everybody to your weekly Trueplex, The Cage with Charles. Here we talk about wrestling in all sorts, not wrestling where two men with earmuffs kind of wrestle each other around like the old Greek goddess taste. No, we're talking about that good stuff, that WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, that AEW, that All Elite Wrestling, and everything else that comes in between. Now, full disclosure, for our new people that we have, not only in the audience, but on our broadcast, wrestling is not fake, it is scripted, it is a dance, it is a ballet. You peel away to a great situation where two men are fighting for championships, for blood feuds, or women. two women fighting for championships, fighting for blood feuds, you know, the love of woman, love of man, pure hatred or championship and titles. And boy, let me tell you something. Last show, we talked about the past, future. But today, a lot of interesting stuff happened the weekend, you guys, for WWE. It's a Royal Rumble season, so, you know, they're trying to get me a little excited for that. Nothing on the New Japan front. I'm going to go straight to a show that I think I insulted last week. Uh-oh. But I said you shouldn't really watch them. And that's Impact. Because there was hard to kill their pay-per-view this weekend, and they were going to go for some history. They were having Sammy Callahan, head of the OBE, your Impact World Heavyweight Wrestling Champion, going against Tessa Blanchard. That's right, not Tess. It's Tessa Blanchard, the daughter of the great uh, Tony Blanchard or Stephanie. My brain's going on between because too much is happening right now. But she challenged for that title, and guess what, guys? At the end, about 15, 20 minutes match, she put down the buzzsaw DDT on Sammy Callahan, and she became the first women's heavyweight champion in Impact. A lot of people are curious because in today's day and age and climate, not everybody likes intergender wrestling. I don't necessarily like it, not because it portrays violence or anything of that nature against women or men, but more or less on the believability when you have like a six foot seven jack guy 
losing clean to somebody who might be 5'9", five, 5'10", five, and, you know, different body disparities. And maybe it sucks out a little bit, maybe I'm not comfortable with it. I don't know. I have to go on that journey and discover it myself. What I can say is this has been something that's been building up because Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard have had a history dating back to last year, maybe even 2018, of a rivalry. They had a match that was about respect, and Sammy won. If you continue, then Sammy Callahan beat Brian Cage, who looks like an animal, you know, for his Impact Championship. And then Tessa comes in saying, I want that title shot. And listen, I'll tell you now, not a lot of promotions would have pulled that proverbial trigger. And Impact, I'll give them this, because coming as a WWE fan, when they should know to pull the trigger, and they don't, you know, look at the Fiend as an example, winning a championship, they had to wait a little bit and screw around, good on them for making a decision. What does this mean? I don't know, because Impact has signed that Access TV deal, because Anthem got in that airing time, maybe that gets a little bit of publicity going on, maybe that helps them out get some credibility. It's certainly going to be well disturbed for Tessa Blanchard, but as we know, with every success for someone, comes the controversy and before the pay-per-view started tessa blanchard was having some controversy because it was being reported because she tweeted because you know social media is the devil and she uh, granted we all use it go follow us on twitter uh, dan for andrew uh, uh charles it's drew over here and then let's see if i was from a friend it's uh it's, it's just a it's a series of letters <laughs> i just i slept on my i slept on my keyboard that's what happened i talked that and it broke me but, you know, she put some stuff on social media and saying women should support each other. And then women who had wrestled her on the independent scene, well, they didn't like that. They were accusing her of being racist and all this other stuff and saying some things to other wrestlers. And it caused some controversy. But to take that away and put that to the side, good on Tessa. I got to say, gentlemen, good on TNA or Impact Wrestling for making the determination because not only are you solidifying long-term booking? And here's the thing that for Alex, he doesn't know. Booking means just how you book the whole damn storyline, right? This has been in play for a while. And you got the payoff where, because what's wrestling? Wrestling is basically saying you want to see the bad guy get their comeuppance. You want to see the underdog or the good guy win. Well, the good girl won, guys. You know, so it's interesting. I want to know how long they're going to keep this going. I want to know so, if they're going to... Yes. So, so, okay, so well, just to understand... So she won overall, like against all wrestlers. She won the main title. The main title, so like title. men, women, whatever. Yeah, well, they, that here comes in the interesting part. Mm -hmm. The women's have their own division title, mm -hmm. Knockout Championship. She won the title that had been used exclusively for men. She will have to defend really. Oh, wow. Men. Okay, so, so like like Peach and Super Smash Brothers type of thing. It's like Peach and Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> Let's even think bigger. Let's use some my world. It's basically Venus and Serena going against uh, you know. Uh, Roger uh, Federer, yeah, Rafael Nadal. You know, it, it really is of that momentum, in my opinion. I don't think it's gonna open up the doorways to affect other promotions such as. AEW and WWE because one thing we know WWE is now basically a corporate brand so they're going to do everything that they can to keep in the PG era and I don't think they would like very much to have men depicting acts of violence well they're on Fox which is now owned by Disney so mm, yeah I can see that and then with AEW, they're still kind of trying to find their niche because they've only been in existence with uh, the TV show Dynamite for two, three months. And the company been as a theory and as a, you know, constituent has been around for about a year. So Impact at least has its own little thing. Gearing away from Impact, good for them because we got to go into some real stuff here. 
What do we got? We got the Royal Rumble coming on, guys. It's next Sunday. So if I don't get the opportunity to talk about it next week, I got to talk about it now, right? The Royal uh -huh. Rumble is probably like my favorite ever pay-per-view that you could do in wrestling because 30 men and 30 women because you they have the women's royal rumble and the men's royal rumble come in and the last person in that ring after people going over the top gets a shot at title down at wrestlemania and the fun part about this gentlemen is i have no idea who the hell is gonna win brock lesnar who's already a wwe champion has entered into the rumble so instead of defending his title he's like i'm gonna go beat some dudes up and throw in the ring is he going to challenge the Fiend if he wins? I don't know. If he's just saying he's the baddest dude on the planet, maybe that too. But it's so darn interesting because when you can't really predict who's going to win, then you get excited or severely disappointed when the person does win. My money's still either on Roman Reigns winning and going against the Fiend. I don't think that's good booking, in my opinion, because you know Bray Wyatt as the Fiend is just going against a lot of people who wronged him in the past. He can just pick him. I kind of want Kevin Owens to do it. He's losing a little bit of momentum, you guys. But right now, he's in a fight against the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins, and his boys. And what happened later that night? It was a six-man fist fight that happened. AOP, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, The Big Show. That's right, The Big Show. I want to say this tweet here. Uh, this is a guy trying to educate you know, us uh, non- or, or casual wrestling fans. Non-wrestling fans, the Royal Rumble is cats. Characters appear, introduce themselves by showcasing their gimmicks slash signature moves, and then are tossed aside for the rest of the show until the chosen one wins. <laughs> if there's anything further from the truth, I wouldn't see it because that is as close to the truth as possible. <laughs> Between that and the movie Cats is that we don't get a redo unlike Tom Hooper who is unsatisfied with the visuals and stuff, <laughs> which is actually a lie because let me tell you a fun story I think it was the 2007 Royal Rumble Batista Johnson last dude's over they somehow messed it up where it has never happened they both landed at the same time it was pure accident so Vince McMahon comes out pissed off to hell swinging his arm drum slides under the ring to tell the refs to restart it he blows out you guys he blows out his hamstrings he legitimately suffered an injury, <laughs> and the guy restarted, and the two still won. If if I couldn't even book it better, so that goes to show that unlike that one time, the Royal Rumble doesn't get a chance to review. But I'm excited. Some other guys are kind of get the name of that. Drew McIntyre, the sexy Scotsman, as he calls himself now. Hey, good for you, Drew. You got a little bit of character. I'm happy for you. Don't think it's coming in. But at the end of Raw, Buddy Murphy helped out this new stable of Seth Rollins. I'm interested in what's going on. Other matches that you need to know about, Becky Lynch versus Asuka. They did the contract signing, and Asuka's starting her face. That's a long-term booking story that's going on for almost a year. And then they're still kind of working out the kinks. We got The Fiend, who, as we know, I love, going against Daniel Bryan for the Universal Championship. And nothing really crazy going on in the uh, AEW era, you guys. All I can tell you is that John Moxley and Chris Jericho are still building it up. I think Moxley's probably going to take that AEW Championship belt off Le Champion. But let's see if it actually happens because they still need to get some momentum and build some other stars. And you guys, I, aside from chicken wings, which you know was a maneuver, a wrestling called the chicken wing chokehold and chicken wing suplex, <laughs> known by you know a lot of great wrestlers in the past, WWE and elsewhere. I think that's all I got for you. Bob, I'm trying to remember his name now. Bob Backlund did the chicken wing submission hold. So you're welcome. Hmm. Uh, okay, so all right, I think the, we're the, the overarching, uh, overarching motif for the show is chicken wings. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's great. 
You could buy chicken tenders a week. Yeah, the chicken wing cross space, the chicken wing cross, uh, you know, it's chokehold. I'm choking the chicken wing right now. Alright, so I think that wraps up for for today. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for, for joining, and, and, uh, and now we'll share this amongst social media and, and all that jazz, and then uh, we'll hopefully, actually, I'm going to California next week, so I'll, uh, but I think I'll be here for our next show anyway, so I'll, yeah, so we'll say goodbye, and adios. And once again, I Thank you. Thank you guys. And once again, thank you all of for course, and once again, thank you, Alec, for coming along. Uh, you are officially part of the Sports Goofs family. Uh, we very much appreciate it. He, he is a friend of the show next to Pat McAfee and Derek Jeter. <laughs> <laughs> That's good company. Pat McAfee, join our show. Bye. Right. Good night, everyone. The puck stopped by Touch Manic. They get a goal! The humiliation continues. This is all hard work. He dug the puck out of the corner and threw it out front where it somehow found a teammate and then the back of the net. Gets it back. Moved ahead. Thomas! Thomas is blocked by Tatane! Whose nets off picks up the puck. Crash, bang, boom! He ran over him like a runaway train. Kicked out.